Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. This is it. The event is happening this week. It's a bit stressful. Three days from now. Yes. If you're listening to this and you haven't bought your ticket. Well, Tuesday drops Tuesday and it's Thursday. So I guess the I, rest of where are you? What is going on? It's Monday on? when we're recording this. So uh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. You played yourself. <laughs> we are pre-recording this. Good job. We're trying to make it seem like it's the week of the event. Obviously, it we're, we're not going to put that much have, stress on ourselves. If you have. Look, listen not bought your tickets and you are physically capable of coming to the event because you are in southern california uh, yes or you happen to have frequent flyer miles and you would like to come oh my goodness please do so now I you mean, can still have tickets up to the day of the event and at the door yeah it's, we welcome it you it doesn't snow here so it would not be i a mean bad i started vacation. to hear these temperatures like it's officially fall, at least as well, of this morning. Well, it's nice that it's changing. It doesn't I mean, it feel like... This morning. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I took Liam out for a walk this morning, and I like, like had nope. to bundle up. I was yeah. like, I'm cold. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, if you want to get away from the cold temperatures and have another... I mean, I can't guarantee it's going to be warm here, but it's going to be warmer than It's going to be warmer, are. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> See, Come to get some last uh, Tickets are $40. $40. Um, you can buy them online or at the door. We've already told you about our fantastic panel. Drinks, networking. Yeah, and th- we're going to have a lot of outside providers having booths and demonstrations that will help shed some light on some of the solutions because we didn't want to just present a problem and have a panel and pat ourselves on the back about talking about the problem. We wanted to have real solutions that could work. So if you're a parent and you're looking for new solutions to propose to your school board, or if you're an educator and you want to propose solutions to your school, your administrators. If you're an administrator and you're just looking for some outside the box thinking. Yes. All are welcome. Show up. It'll be fun. With that said, we wanted to shed some light on a couple of new laws that Gavin Newsom has signed in and that California just in general has mm-hmm. implemented. And I know one of them has already been implemented. I think you were talking to me about it before for this school year. Yeah. Well, it was signed into law in May of 2019. But because May is like the end of the school year, we don't usually see any implementation changes happening like right away before the school year starts. So the beginning of the 1920 school year is really where we should see some changes. And unfortunately, some school districts we are and some we're not. So the one I'm going to talk about today is the new LGBTQ plus is what they're calling it, education community into schools teaching so Mm. that includes textbooks it includes you know anything we're doing teaching about you know even goes down to sex ed and there's already i mean it's and what? we had, and I am so bad with names. We had a podcast Wendy on that. Wendy, yeah, came last, and talked to us mm-hmm, about the, the books podcasts uh-huh. ago. And I mean, these already exist. There are plenty of parents out there that are already kind of talking inclusively to their kiddos. But this is just kind of expanding uh-huh. so that there is some availability of those books in school. Yeah. Well, so the law goes a little bit further than just books. It's really looking into 
incorporating the LGBTQ community into all the teachings that schools have. And so part of that is the gender identity, the idea of gender identity. And of course, there are a lot, I mean, with anything that goes in the news or gets posted online, there's a lot of misconceptions and, you know, people are only reading one side of the story. So I was actually at the gym the other day and they were having a, on one of the news stations, they had a big story about a school district, Oak Park Unified out in, I guess they're technically Los Angeles County still like they're on like the verge or they might be Ventura County. They're like right on the edge, but that's like near where I grew up. They put out their plan before the school year started of what their changes were going to be. And then they had a school board meeting. So they left it open for parents to come. And I think like the idea, because it was like K through five, they're starting to implement these changes in their curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so the immediate reaction by families was, this is ridiculous. It's too young. My kid shouldn't be learning about sex, yada, 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 because it was just the misperceptions. People are not reading into like what's actually happening. So they had to have a board meeting and they had to really talk to families about what it is that they're actually doing. And so the administration kind of broke it down and they even said there might be some confusion about what it is that we're actually providing. So students enrolled in this school district, their like plan of like the law puts in place that they have to have new curriculums in place by this school year. And so this is what Oak Park's Plan, plan, I guess, was. Mm-hmm. So the students enrolled in the school district will learn about gender identity once per year in a 30 to 40 minute class taught by a school counselor using what the district said are age appropriate books and lessons plans. So even though it's K through five, it's not like, oh, bam, we're talking to you all about gender identity in kindergarten. It mm-hmm. starts out kind of simpler. And I think I like the way that they like kind of approach this. I think this is the right way. It's don't wait until they're in fifth grade to just throw everything at them. Like start it little by little. Well, it's interesting because the gender stereotypes happen in utero, right? Yeah. I got this a lot where people would just be like, oh, you're doing a gender reveal party. And it's like, well, it should be a sex party to a certain extent. But that just sounds weird to certain people. But there's also the trend of people not wanting to identify their child's gender and having the child make that decision. I think I was reading it on the bumper somewhere and it was they call them babies instead of babies, like just the pronouns and stuff. And so some parents are already making that decision. But and the children are already exposed to this. So it's not like we're like shoving this in their well, throat it's, like it's not about and i think a lot of the parents were outraged because they automatically thought well you're teaching sex ed to my kindergartner well no let's back up a moment oh interesting the, okay. and that's what a lot so of the then, parents were saying they were like my kid is too young to be learning about this but if you back up and look about what the gender diversity program the purpose of it it's about teaching children in appropriate age language about expressions of gender including male female non-binary and transgender and what the school the superintendent essentially said is what we're talking about in kindergarten and first grade is not what people are imagining he said if you look at kindergarten and first grade books for example in this program they're about a crayon that's labeled as red but is actually blue So it's talking about labels and identity in a way that has nothing to do with sex. Mm -hmm. And that's more manageable for a younger kid. And then I imagine that it's going deeper as... It's like uh, critical thinking on a very just 
age appropriate level. Right. We, right. They're already exposed to this. It's already been ta- like we're just putting it to paper, right? Like this right. is the plan. Right. And eventually it builds, I think, into more of actually using the language like gender identity and diversity and all of that. They said that the course is not a sex ed class. And that because of that, parents cannot opt out of the program because the state law actually requires district to include this LGBTQ community into its teachings. So along with educating students on gender diversity, the program is designed to help curb bullying and prevent suicide among students in the LGBT community. They said one of the reasons this is such important work for us is that we don't want to have another suicide over this issue, which is not something to be ashamed of. So they've gotten like the mixed reviews, of course. But when we look down to at the end of the day, you know, what is the reason, you know, they're doing it? And it's not just because the school district recognizes the need, but it's actually the state law. So any parents Mm -hmm. that are up in arms, I mean, it's a state law that was passed Mm -hmm. um, by the legislature. And again, it's not about sex. It's not Mm -hmm. about sex ed. And I think the idea that, you know, we're teaching sex ed to kindergartners, I think that was what was spread and why. I'm sure some teachers were already doing like that sounds like a book I would read to Blair. Like, look at this crayon. It's like doing like these things exist. It's just now it's being put out there because we cannot, you know, send prayers for another teenage middle schooler that's killing himself or herself because they feel like they were given a gender assignment that doesn't truly reflect who they are. Yeah. So the state law is a change to the California Education Code, and it was specifically language in Section 51204.5, which prescribes the inclusion of contributions of various groups in the history of California and the United States. So, you know, a lot of what they're doing is very broad in the law. And then these school districts are interpreting it the way that they feel it's appropriate. And I think the way that Oak Park has set this up of really looking at, you know, what are the most important, you know, principles that we want to instill in these kids. And I think breaking it really down that it's not about sex. It's about so much more. I think going back to how, you know, they're using the crayon example, like it's not a dangerous, you know, standard to set. And what the code section It talks about, you know, the section already includes prohibitions on, so they're basically saying we can't have textbooks that either are prohibited in our schools and that identify discrimination based on certain groups. So it already had prohibitions on matters reflecting adversity upon persons because of their race, sex, color, creed, handicap, national or ancestry. So this bill added sexual orientation to that list. And then it directs, and then section 60040 directs the governing boards of the school districts to adopt instructional materials that accurately portray the cultural and racial diversity of our society. That section already includes a number of groups, but it was amended to add these areas as well, which is important because, you know, we talk a lot about how a lot of times our history textbooks don't always portray accurate information how if you have a textbook in california about maybe the civil war is it going to be different than a textbook in texas to georgia to new york it might be very different which is unfortunate because (laughs) we should be teaching kids the accurate interpretation of what happened but we know that a lot of the textbooks were written so long ago so i'll do one even better it's 
the winners write history, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like not even. <laughs> it's just like, but in in terms of like what we want for our society and who we are as a society, like what we've talked a lot about this and creating our mission statement. You know, it, it, we're past the point of just accepting tolerance. We want it to be past acceptance. You know, that true understanding and. We talk about early intervention. And I think by the time you're five, you kind of already, like, it needs to be even, you know, with the pre-academics. Well, yeah, like, it doesn't mean, go far enough. Yeah, so. that's the problem with saying these kids are too young yeah. to learn something. Like, right. that's not okay right. because right. you are ingrained at such an early yeah. age. And especially yeah. it's that concept of gender. Because it's not just the concept of what is your gender identity. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes deeper than that to the root of really looking at, if we're trying to teach kids to look at other kids like kids and that they're all human mm-hmm. and that we should be treating everyone like they're equal. Right, right. It's deeper than just gender. Yeah. It's race. It's religion. It's right. abilities. Right. So yeah. if we're trying to instill into kids that at five years old, imagine what kind of humans they're going to be when they turn 18 versus if we start at five at fifth grade, when they could already have preconceived notions, they could already have biases right. that, you know, are yeah. harder to reverse. Well, I mean, it stems from what's happening at home, too. And, you know, they just we appreciate differing points of view. So, I mean, I think if your district has a plan of action, such as this district, it's nice that it's put in writing and, you know, you can kind of see it and mull it over. And I'm sure they had a time where it was question and answer and like did all this stuff. They're not just throwing it together, just throw it together. And like, quite frankly, like Amanda said, it's like state legislature. So the people spoke to their representatives and the representatives created this and it passed all everybody. Well, and the crazy part is that this is one of the only school districts that I've heard about the actual plan and how they've brought it forth to the families ahead of time. Yeah. And like that's, I would say administrators should like learn from this because Mm. I often, I mean, you always hear about teachers who have certain books that people get outraged about or, you know, schools put in a new program, people get outraged. And like, I think sometimes the outrage comes from just the unknown of not knowing what's going to happen and be feeling like they're feeling blindsided. Now, I mean, but we can try it and then roll back. Like, I think that that's, it's the fear of the unknown. And I think that's what's similar with the other law that we were going to talk about, which act does not even go into effect until July 2020. So for next school year, but the headline that a lot of people reacted to was, you know, California bans schools from suspending students solely for disruptive behavior. Once you break down what it is that Gavin Newsom was looking towards, it was Senate Bill 419. And it does make changes to the California Education Code. And it includes public and charter schools. And I'll get to the charter school part of it. But it prevents them from suspending students, specifically in grades four through eight, for disruptive school activities or otherwise willfully defying the valid authority of those school personnel engaged in the performance of their duties. Amanda and I see this. So much. I mean, it's about not just damn time with the kids with disabilities, but our kiddos of color. That if they don't do what is being said, and I'm all for like you need to know authority, you need to. But oftentimes they are being suspended at such a higher rate than their white neurotypical peers. It's so like far the, overreaching and open. It's so subjective. Yeah. And that I think is that hits the nail on yeah. the head. It's so subjective and we're seeing it and these kids need to be in school. And right. if you're suspending them and expelling them yeah, for, and expelling for things them. that are 
a one offense thing. I mean, we get cases all the time where it's a kid who comes to us facing expulsion who has never gotten in trouble before. So this is their first yeah. offense. And it's something where usually it's stemming from something, either a peer conflict or some type <laughs> of mental health issue or something that the school should have identified. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. maybe it is a first offense. And why are we facing expulsion? We shouldn't be having 30 days of suspension until we reach an expulsion, which sometimes happens. Like, it's just... And we had talked about this on a podcast, I think, last year, where the U.S. Government Accountability Office had produced a report. And in that report, it had showed, I think, that they were analyzing data from the Department of Education from, like, 2013, 2014 school year. And, you know, black students, boys, and students with disabilities were found to be disproportionately disciplined. And that was kindergarten like starting in kindergarten, like, or, and then, you know, and one through 12 in public schools. And so, you know, the amendment is very specific. I think that the reasoning behind it, it's not to say that you can never be, you know, obviously it's specific to those grades, but in like their breakdown of the analysis, the Senate also, the California State Senate also pointed to a recent study that found that students lost over 150,000 days of school due to suspensions of this specific specific nature and in the 2016-2017 school year. So that's even more recent data. Yeah. 150,000 days of school collectively. Well, that's crazy. And I would like to see a study on how many of those days were kids who have IEPs. Yeah. A right. huge portion, right. sure. Because and, and students of color. And I yeah. think because of they saw that. I think that, well, the like they didn't have the breakdown, right. but the percentage I think would be useful right. for us. Yeah. I, I would assume... A lot of times, like a kid on the spectrum or, you know, kids with behaviors, they're already identified. Like, it's ridiculous how often we get those cases where they have an IEP, they have a behavior plan, and yet they're exhibiting a behavior that is in line with what their behavior plan. We already know, like, that's a manifestation of their disability. Like, that is something that's outside of their control. We already identified that, that we needed support. But then also, I think a lot of times, kids, especially K through five, often say things in a way because they're still learning how to communicate right so they say things in a way that can come off as defiance but maybe it's not meant to be defiance right it's just they have knowing how to express their emotions so they might lash out verbally but they don't really are really trying to defy but oftentimes school officials hear this as willful defiance and then they say well they refuse to go to class I think because it's so subjective like if you're seeing the disproportionate impact on students of color on students with disabilities on the transgender the LGBTQ community that they are being suspended just for that well I'm not talking about they hit another kid right. or a teacher. I'm not talking about causing destruction. There are specific, it's outlined in the California Education Code, Section 48900, of when a student who does the following acts can be suspended. So obviously physical injury, you know, willful use of force. Like there's plenty of other things, you know, use of alcohol. Like there's so many things. It's like A through T of like things. And, and what we're talking about is K. And that's the subjective type of like, well, that was defiance. And, you know, the research has confirmed that it's a disproportionate amount that are impacted of our students with disabilities and those of color. Like and I, I know, said. yeah, I know I saw some people online, you know, freaking out about this or really worried that, well, we want to make sure that our kids are safe. And so we don't want kids, you know, this to affect that. But what it is that we're talking about is we're not talking about kids who would cause safety concerns. We are talking about kids who generally either need support 
or mm. really have no business being suspended in the first place. So we are right. just placing more restrictions on the school staff on when they can. Which well, is kind of like giving up way. on the kid. And I think yeah. that that's why a lot of the kids of color and then obviously for our kiddos with disabilities. And there's other avenues, of course, for children of color. But where Amanda's going is like for our kiddos that have IEPs, if it's willful defiance, it's like, does he have a behavioral support plan? Like, let's back up. Like, right. how did we get here? That should be what, the first question, exactly. not immediately. You I can't handle it behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sending you to the principal. The principal then says, I'm sending you home. Yeah. You're being suspended yeah. when it's like we need to take a, a, a second right. to breathe and say, why is this happening? Right. I can't tell you how often we get phone calls where it's like they call me to pick up my kid. And the first thing we ask is, did he get suspended? Did she get suspended? You know, and part of the time it's like, no, they just told me to come pick him up. And it's like, absolutely not. Like appropriate. that's an effect the suspension, um, even if it's not uh, written especially down. Especially if you have an IEP and then other times it is and it falls under this category. And I think that being able to see how we can approach this. And like I said, there's maybe they'll start finding another thing, but like at least they have to put and look to see if it fits any of the other categories more appropriately, but the whole subjective nature of it. And I think that is something that Gavin Newsom is him being able to kind of like see that in the state Senate, like people right. calling in about this advocates and proponents. Yeah, well, and the fact that it doesn't take effect until July 2020 means that the school districts have an entire school year to begin putting together their programs, begin training their staff, because this is not going to be something where they can just send out a district wide memo. This is going to require training because what it is that we're seeing is a real problem that goes deeper than just administrators. It's not just administrators, because what I see a lot of times, it is not just the subjective nature of the administrator, the principal saying, yes, we're going to suspend. It's like the teacher is bringing it to the level. Like the teacher shouldn't even send the kid to the principal's place in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it's like the teachers need the training to know when they should intervene in different ways. And not only intervene, but like, how can we better prevent this from even happening, right? How can we better identify the kids who are truly having the behaviors mm-hmm. how can we prevent it maybe we need to have an iep mm-hmm. and then on the other hand training on right. biases and training yeah. on you know and i think coming up with language of like what does it mean to have disruptive you know what qualifies a behavior or a student's actions to rise to this level is everyone on the same page because you know disruptive behavior could mean many different things i've had teachers that say disruptive mm-hmm. behavior is the kid stands up and it's like well, they need a movement break. Yeah. Like, or child put their head down. Well, it's defiance. Yeah. And I was like, I see defiance as like, F you, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Like that is defiance. But, you know, one of the other things, because it did include the language and included charter schools, which it appears that charter schools weren't included before. Some charter school proponents or not proponents, but like opponents of this change are upset because they're saying that charter school law requires that each school kind of address issues of expulsion and that this is now, you know, in their own little charter constitution or whatever, and that this law is effectively like changing their language or overriding whatever language that they have. So that was something that they got a bit upset about. But the analysis of implementing SB 419 was that data that Department of Education had provided where it was like it didn't matter the level of school poverty or the type of school so charter versus traditional public I mean it's a problem across <laughs> it was a disproportionate effect and well, so I, love I think how, that that's why they added it. yeah I love how they try to say this group that is fighting it for charter schools sits further this bill is based on no credible evidence of an expulsion problem in California charter schools but it's like 
I beg to differ well, on that because I know many students that have been suspended and expelled from charter schools and then they well, that's claim the Department like, of Education can't. too like that 2013-2014 school year that they analyzed like the article I think did a good job of like kind of bringing it back to like well I don't know that you could really say that because right. <laughs> that data is from and that's why it's if you're thinking well that was so long ago and it was just like it takes a lot to collect that data and so like it, and then yeah. analyze it so they're not just saying it to say it like oh here's from a couple years back but like, i would say also was, changes happen so slow in school exactly. so if it was happening in 2013 it's very high likelihood that even though it's been several years like it's probably still oh for sure now oh for I, sure i wouldn't yeah. Like maybe I'd like if it to was see in a couple of years, but yeah. I'd like to see if we'll see a change. But that's something that I think that we will now start when we anytime we get suspension paperwork, obviously, we always write a letter. But like how you guys can be further using that, you know, information, I'm sure they're not going to do it. But like, you know, if your child, I think even if you're outside of the core four through eight, I think it's still worth kind of defining what defiance is and like pushing the envelope a bit more. It's not just a final end all all kind of thing right. because that K is so subjective but very interesting stuff we'll definitely see and follow as best as we can and there's a big implication so yeah, yours is already I mean, in effect mm, this other I one is going to be come up with programs and policies and they revamp everything I think they're it's doing just cleaner when they do that it. yeah and Hopefully they'll be forthcoming with their yeah. families about what it yeah. is their plan of action yeah because you just never know you I know mean, we are waiting. We will to keep an eye it on it. On if over the course of this school year, your district comes up with a plan and they propose it at a school board meeting or to families, let us know. Send us a message, and you know we'd be really interested in seeing what those plans are. And we will see you at our event on Thursday. See you in two days. Mm, yeah, two days. <laughs> Bye. Bye.